Welcome to That's the Word, wholesome tales for the whole family. I'm Father James Yamauchi. Today's story, Setting the Captives Free. The door busted open, rousing Johnny from sleep. He was seized and dragged out of the room into the night. The men in power saw no other option. Johnny's radicalism threatened to overturn life as they knew it. They could no longer tolerate his shenanigans. Johnny's cause was making headway, so Johnny's neighbors had to take matters into their own hands. Circumventing the law, the local authority ordered Johnny to leave town. Johnny steadfastly refused to obey and was arrested. He protested that the order was unlawful and therefore he had no obligation to obey it. Johnny's neighbors, now his captors, were bent on ensuring that his ideas would never again see the light of day. They sentenced Johnny to prison. Johnny was kept in isolation in a tiny room not quite six feet wide and less than ten feet in length. He not only needed to be punished for his crimes, but needed to learn obedience and respect for authority. Johnny was subjected each evening to reprimands and public scourging. Eventually, his captors grew weary and they would leave Johnny unmolested in his cell for weeks. His cell was a furnace in the summer and an icebox in the winter. The single robe that Johnny wore did little to protect him from the elements. His diet consisted of water, bread, and scraps of salt fish. In the midst of his suffering, Johnny's solitude enabled him to pour himself out to God. He composed verse inspired by the deep prayer life that sustained him through his imprisonment. Where have you hidden, beloved, and left me grieving? Why would you hurt me, abandoning me, fleeing like a deer? I rushed after you, but my cries only drifted in the empty air. After more than eight months, Johnny was miraculously delivered from his imprisonment. On August 16th, 
the day after the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Our Lady appeared to Johnny to assure him that his trials were nearly over. Johnny received a vision of a window in his prison by which he could escape. Thanks to his most recent jailer's lax security, Johnny managed to get out of his cell one night and, having fashioned rope from strips of cloth that served as his bedsheet, tossed it over the ledge of the window he had seen in the vision and made his way to freedom. He snuck to the residence of a fellow rebel who sheltered him and provided cover while Johnny was nursed back to health. A renewed Johnny continued to support this rebel's efforts to reform their beloved order, which had grown lax in their life of prayer and penance. Despite Vatican support for the reforms, Johnny's fellow monks, fearful of abandoning the comforts that had infiltrated the rigors of religious life, decided to imprison Johnny within a monastery. With the help of his fellow rebel, St. Teresa of Avila, Johnny would lay the foundations for what would become the order of discalced Carmelites. The spiritual life of the universal church has been greatly enriched by the suffering, fidelity, and wisdom of this priest whose trials led him to be one of the great doctors of the church. Saint John of the Cross. And for this week, that's the word. I was listening to an episode from another podcast, and there was a discussion about a new book regarding fasting and the life of the church. And this interesting story that we shared today came up, and I had never heard this detail of St. John the Cross's life, and I thought it was a very fascinating story to tell. What's funny is we actually both had the same idea for a story on this one. We both thought that this particular story would make a great story for a podcast, and one of us ended up writing it, and the other one said, oh, I was going to do that. And so now we're going to have a little discussion about the nature of church fasting. And I don't know quite how to call this section because John Peter and I have noticed that in the past, there's been times where there's been a highly charged information dump from our producer. So for now, I'm going to call it Facts, Not Opinions with John Peter. The biggest thing that I took away from this was that Lent is a 40-day fast. It is literally a fast for the entirety of Lent. Traditionally, 
by traditionally, we mean from the time of the apostles until 1917, every Catholic over the age of 21 was obliged to fast for every weekday. So every day that wasn't Sunday during the Lenten season, you would do the one meal and depending on the period of history, up to two smaller meals. And that was it. And you did that for all 40 days. Our modern idea of, quote, just giving something up for Lent is a brand new idea. The idea of loosening up the requirements is not to say we're going to loosen up the practice. The idea is to make it so that we're not as concerned with legalism. It wasn't the idea that we all of a sudden stopped fasting entirely. And I think that's a very fascinating point right there. You know, I'll jump in with my canon law hat now. And just to assure people that certainly church legislation today says that there are two days of fasting, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Two required days. Yes, two required days for fasting are Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, which means you can have one meal and up to two smaller meals that together do not equal the full meal. And this applies to people who are 18 years old and have not yet reached their 60th birthday. And of course, people always say, well, what about nursing mothers? What about people who have health conditions? And yes, certainly the church has rules for that that all apply. You can find good research on that. But I think the value of what you're saying here is, for example, the precepts of the church say, for instance, there is the obligation to receive communion once during the Easter season. Now, nobody gets excited about the fact that I received the Eucharist one time and then I don't need to receive it again, even though I am in the state of grace and even though I go to Mass every single Sunday, we don't say, well, I've done my obligation and so therefore I'm not going to receive it because our faith is based not on obligation but on love. And so to your point and something I had learned, and I just want to reemphasize this, the church, even though it does not oblige people to fast by law, except for Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, it still encourages the longstanding practice of fasting for 40 days during the Lenten season to this very day. There's always talk whenever you talk about doing penance, you always want to make sure you're avoiding extremes and avoiding going overboard with any kind of penance, which is understandable. You have plenty of saints who preach moderation. However, these saints who preach moderation were generally doing a 40-day Lenten fast. No one thought that this was extreme. They thought this was the baseline. St. Francis of Sales talks about doing a few more days of fasting than the church requires. The church at the time required, as it did for 19 of the last 20 centuries, fasting for every day of Lent all 40 days. So he said, do more than that. That's a good starting point. If that's always been considered a starting point, it's certainly something that we can attain in our modern age. And as a pastor, I always say, it's good to understand the history and tradition of the church. We have to be able to incorporate this in our lives as is possible based upon our own vocation in life and our own conditions, medical and otherwise. So we've called this section Facts, Not Opinions with John Peter. I am open and John Peter is open to hear your ideas for what we can call these times during the afterward. 
Now it's trivia time. Dun 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 dun. Last story's trivia question was: What are the three celebrities discussing? The answer is the passion. This story's trivia question is: What does discalced mean? That question again: What does discalced mean? If you think you know the answer, email us or contact us on social media and let us know. If you enjoy that's the word, please share the word. You can see the story extras for this story at thunderrock.org, where you can read the spiritual canticle which Saint John of the Cross composed. Thunderrock.org is also where you can sign up for our weekly newsletter and where you can find our social links and our email if you have any feedback or story ideas. Thanks for listening, and join us next Wednesday for another wholesome tale for the whole family.